Welcome to Birth Naturally. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Kate. And we're sisters having a conversation about everything from med-free birth to natural parenting. Hey everyone, don't forget to follow along on Instagram at Birth Naturally and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. And while you're listening, be sure to snap a photo and tag us in your stories so we can see what you're doing while you're enjoying these birth stories. And speaking of stories, if you have any funny birth or parenting moments, please email or DM us. We're going to be compiling some mini episodes, think My Favorite Murder, but without the murder, and we just want to keep the fun in birth and parenting. So in today's episode, we're talking to Kara, my friend of over 15 years. She is an IBCLC, aka lactation consultant for us lay people. Kara has always had such a passion for breastfeeding, and I'm so excited for her to be pursuing her dream. We know you're going to learn a lot, like we did, whether you're a first-time mom or third-time moms like us. We're here with Kara Thornton, IBCLC, with Via Lactia. Thanks for joining us, Kara. Sure, happy to be here. So, Kara, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your family? So, my name is Kara Thornton. Um, I am an IBCLC, which stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. I live in New Jersey, and I have been married for 15 years um, and have two boys, uh, one named Grant, he's 11, and my other is Shane, who is six. So, what was the process to becoming a lactation consultant? Uh, Well, the process is a bit of a laborious one, actually. Um, There's three different pathways you can take to become one. Um, One is if you are an RN already, which I am not. Um, And the other one is sort of a fast-tracked one, the pathway two, it's called. Um, And if you go through a a college, which I ended up doing um, through Drexel University. So um, they had a lot a lactation program. I went through them. I did all of my work, um, uh, clinical hours, I should say, um, and my schooling there. So you have to do 90 hours of schooling and then 300 hours of clinical work, which I did through hospitals, um, St. Christopher, uh, Hahnemann, and actually through WIC as well. And, um, and then you have to take a board exam. So, um, that's what I ended up doing as well. And then you're not official until you pass the boards. Um, so it's, it's not a quick, a quick move into a new profession. No, definitely sure. not. <laughs> no. And then are you state certified? Is there, does each state require a different board or you, can you practice? No, it's through, um, it's through our overhead. Um, it's called the IBCLE. Um, they're the ones that um, certify us. And some states have, um, licensure and not all of us, only a few of them in the whole country. But New Jersey, where I am right now, is working towards licensing us, um, which would make a big difference as far as getting insurance and having a lot more people have access to my services. Oh, that's great. Side note, Kara and I have known each other. We actually met online years ago and then became real life friends. (laughs) So I know how passionate you've always been about breastfeeding. What inspired you to take the route uh, to become a lactation consultant? So I was in um, marketing for 15 years, um, and I was really just getting burnt out with it and 
wasn't really passionate about it. Um, and I had, in that time, I'd had two babies and had breastfed both of them. Um, and I realized that I started being the go-to for a lot of my friends to ask me questions and to ask about breastfeeding. Um, and I just started getting knowledgeable about it. I was reading a lot about it, keeping up on it. And I knew that there were lactation consultants around and I was like, maybe that's something I want to do. But I thought that I had to have um, an RN to do that. Turns out that you don't. Um, and as soon as I found that out, um, I was actually laid off from my marketing job and it was right when I was thinking about changing careers, I was laid off and I took it as a sign that this is it. I have to make a move. Um, and that's when I started school at Drexel and, and that was it. Um, and it definitely just felt like it was all meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. If there's, any, <laughs> if there's anyone I know that should be a lactation <laughs> consultant, it's you. So what is the biggest myth about breastfeeding that you hear? Um... Well, there's many, but I feel like a, a lot of of moms still think, or they think that it's, the myth is that it's a natural thing. Like baby's going to come out and then just going to latch and everything's going to be easy breezy and that's just how things should work. And that is completely the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I always am very upfront with moms when I, when I meet with them, um, I say, that breastfeeding for me, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, that first month, first six mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, it takes so a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's so I say that it's not always this like instant, you know, I very few parents that I've ever seen have just been like, it's so easy and it's simple and it, everything's just working right. There's usually some, you know, obstacles in the way um, or just a sheer exhaustion is the other part of this. Um, so I say that that's, I don't think that's true, that it's just like a, technically it should be, it's natural to breastfeed, but it doesn't always natural to make all of that work um, because it's just, we don't have the support that we had, um, you know, 200 years ago. Where right. Everyone, you know, you had all these people living with you or family. So it's a whole different world now. So it's not as easy, um, you know, as maybe it used to be. Right. And now I remember those first days when it was just, I mean, when you're getting used to it and it's, it can be pain in the beginning, it can be painful when you're getting used to it. And I know pain isn't normal for an extended period of time, but those first couple of weeks, right? I remember my toes curling when, when you go to latch. Even just when your milk starts to come in. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. That, and I forget it every time. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) <laughs> that's rough. It can be rough. And and it's so easy to just be like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. But once you get through all of that, it really does get much easier. Mm-hmm. And I think people right. don't realize exactly. that. Mm-hmm. I say like, so if you get through the first two weeks is usually what I say, like two weeks boot camp, I call it, is like the <laughs> roughest. Then you get through four weeks, you're like all kind of downhill. You know, it gets better. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, definitely. Yeah. But it's like, you know, things get easier. Like, so forget that through that first month, I'm like, things will get better. (laughs) Yeah, all around, honestly. Um, What is the issue that you encounter most? Like, what do moms come to you most for, do you think? Normally, I am getting called for, I mean, latch issues, um, damaged nipples, which is always 
still shocking to see. Oh, <laughs> Some of the things gosh. that I see. So um, sure. Nipple damage, bad latch, um, that kind of thing. I mean, and that all sort of inter- intertwines with um, if I have a baby that's not gaining properly because it's not a good latch. So everything sort of is intertwined in a lot of ways um, with that latch. Um, I know I didn't do like anything to prepare with my first um, for breastfeeding. I just was like, oh, yeah, like you said, it's just going to be easy. The baby's going to latch and it's going to be, you know, I didn't know like to look out for stuff like clogged ducts and mastitis, which I got like within the first week. So what can pregnant moms do to prepare? So my, what I wish for everyone (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, was that everyone talked to a lactation consultant prenatally um, or take a class. But even the classes are sometimes a little too broad, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you met with a lactation consultant prenatally, that could be personalized to you if you have any health issues or if you're, depending on what kind of birth you're having, even like a C-section, sometimes things can be a little different um, with getting the baby to latch quickly. Um so there's a lot of things that can be taken into place, taken into account um, prenatally with lactation consultant that could personalize sort of a breastfeeding plan for you, um, which I think would be huge for a lot of people yeah. to say like, you know, this is what kind of birth I'm going to be using. I'm on this medication or, you know, all these sorts of things that I'd be able to help with um, or any lactation consultant could. Right. Um, so I feel like preparation is so important so many people, I feel like, I, Kaylee, even when you and I had our first babies, I feel like mm-hmm. everyone did um, breastfeeding classes. Like mm-hmm. that was sort of like, but I now I see so many moms and few people take any kind of breastfeeding class at all. And most of them are like, I just thought it would be like, oh, you know, it'd be easy. Mm-hmm. Baby comes out. Yep. So I don't know what's changed, but it seems like even like the general classes are not happening as much. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm seeing, and the moms are like, I had no idea. I had no idea what to expect. So really prep- preparation is like crucial. Like just even yeah. knowing it's going to be super hard those first few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. If you know that that's normal, then you're, right. then you would, then maybe you wouldn't see so many moms giving up right. so quickly. You know, if, if they I knew. I think also, yes. And, and I'm, and I'm going to say, I also am repeatedly saying to moms what normal infant behavior is. I use that phrase all the time. I say, this is normal infant behavior because moms don't know that a baby's going to be literally attached to you for a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's going to just be, or cl- they don't know what cluster feeding is. Like they think, oh, there's something wrong with my milk. I don't have enough milk. And I'm like, this is all normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, normal. right. So and I think know, just I- knowing you, go ahead. I think, like, even in the hospital, I remember with Jude, I was nursing him, and his latch was great, and he would he would latch on, and he would kind of doze off, and right. but he would be kind of you know like on there latched, and he would wake back up like normal infant behavior, I guess you would call that. Right. And I remember yeah. the nurse coming in and telling me, "You can't let him just just stay there. Oh. You have to take him off." And now, oh I, no, the time feeds. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like he's supposed to be nursing only, like it should take him X amount of time and it should only be every two hours. And right, yeah, good luck with that when you're trying to figure out, like by the time you figure out how to get them latched on, 
and then they feed like you're back to that two hours start time again you know like mm-hmm. you might exactly. as well just hang out there bud <laughs> <laughs> well no that's exactly what I, in at the time and that you would be surprised the information that's still given in hospitals is very similar often like you know baby should nurse 10 minutes per side which is like from like the 50s like they used to (laughs) only 10 minutes um you know and the baby should be eating like every two-ish hours and um so I'm on an uphill battle with a lot of parents and a lot of information coming out of hospitals and from pediatricians um you know I say there's no schedule like there's no Mm -mm. schedule nothing like the baby just can just chill on you, hang out, and they're going to be on you and they're stimulating you and it's all normal. Um, So, you know, it is, you do get a lot of misinformation. um, And I do feel like parents really, and that's like another reason with the uh, prenatal thing, which is the the normal behavior would be huge for parents to know, like, this is what babies do because parents don't know. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) This is how babies act. They come out and they want to be on you, on your chest. You know, and it's okay. Like the, it will stop at some point, <laughs> right? And it's I, okay, right? It's not. Yeah. You know. I do like what you said about like getting prenatal help with a lactation consultant. But the thing is, a lot of pregnant moms don't even realize that that is an option. Or like, I wish that doctors or midwives right. would would bring that up to like mm-hmm. if if they know that their patient is going to breastfeed, suggest that right. it's that easy, right? Like I've never been told. Why don't you meet with a lactation consultant, even though, you know, I have had issues with breastfeeding? I agree. And I've been trying to work with um, some OBs to bring things up. Um, and it's actually with even OBs or midwives. I, I'm not sure how midwives do it, um, but um, OBs should be bringing it up more often, too. I remember even when I went to the OB, I think they asked me once. Like in the middle, they were like, are you planning on breastfeeding with my first? And I was like, I think so. Like, I was just like, I don't know. Um, and they were like, okay. And that was it. That was my conversation. And, um, not, and there was going to... Sorry to interrupt you, but like okay. an OB, you, you mentioned pediatricians and OBs. Now, right. how knowledgeable are they about breastfeeding? Because I've gotten I, what I know to be false information from, especially well, from pediatricians. Like... And they can scare moms, especially a new mom when you're super right. nervous. Well, the thing with um, the the reason behind that, there's been, there was a study that was done um, that shows, and this sort of makes sense, um, the more a mom is discussed, breastfeeding is discussed with a mom prenatally, the more uh, higher incidence that they're going to breastfeed. So mm-hmm. the more touch points there is when they're seeing an OB, you know, every month towards the end or every like few weeks, whenever they're going, if the OB was like, Hey, you know, are you still thinking about breastfeeding? If that's like put into a, a mom's head, the mm-hmm. chances are they're going to breastfeed. I feel like um, it normalizes it too. You know, it makes things right. like mm-hmm. this is a, this is a normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. And exactly. This is the normal, right. This is the, you know, what you should be doing. So yeah. <laughs> this is the ideal situation for you. Right. right. Um, and I think, I do feel like, I mean, with doulas and things, like they talk about it's the birth plans. And I'm like, well, and, I, and I've been asking doulas. I'm like, do you have in, you know, when you talk about these birth plans with moms, I'm like, are you talking about breastfeeding too? And mm-hmm. some aren't. Um, some are, but some aren't. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to think of how that can kind of be flipped a little bit. I'm like, you know, if you could put that in there or refer to me to say, hey, like meet with a lactation consultant to get a 
breastfeeding plan in place, you know, have a birth plan and have a breastfeeding plan. Um, yeah, these are all my big ideas, but yeah. <laughs> I think they're great. They ideas. are, they are great because we talk about this often. We ask, we always ask moms when they share their birth story about their postpartum experience. And I'm sure right. you remember this, but did you even think about your postpartum experience after you had your babies? Like, no, you were just thinking about no, I know. the birth. Mm-hmm. And like, right. and then I kind of recognized that I would have a baby at some point, but I didn't think about what that would be like. <laughs> right. You know? I know. Seriously. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like how there's a big emphasis on the wedding, but not on the marriage. Like we have to kind of <laughs> think about the, <laughs> the whole thing that happens afterwards, which is a yep. huge life-changing experience. And right. There, and if you could at least have some knowledge on one part of it, I think it would make it a little bit right. easier. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is my own experience when Jude was a baby. Uh, my pediatrician told me Jude was gassy. He was, I don't know, two right. months old, four months, whatever, you know, normal baby stuff. And mm-hmm. I was a vegetarian at the time. And the pediatrician told me to cut out basically foods that are, that would maybe produce gas in an adult they told me that that was affecting him. Like, right. don't eat beans and don't eat broccoli and this and that. And basically gave me a whole laundry list of the food items that I was eating every day, like the bulk of the food I was eating. And I remember leaving <laughs> crying and thinking, what am I going to eat? And then... <laughs> air, air and grass. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I, I remember going to, like, I went on, I think, Kelly Mom and... I'm reading about what, you know, how foods affect breastfeeding. And I remember thinking like, I think that this information is wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't think that this is true. So can, are there foods that affect baby? Do, do most foods affect your baby? Or I I know there are some, but the majority of the foods that we're eating, does it directly affect the baby when you're nursing? No, I mean that, and this is funny because when we, I feel like even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, like I compare stuff, I feel like uh, food allergies, I think was like the big thing. Like oh, people, yeah. everyone was like, my baby is impacted by this. I, that was like the big thing on the message boards. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, you can't eat this, can't eat that. Um, and that's less now. I feel like now it's people, I tell parents they can eat anything they want um, unless there's, I'll still see dairy issues, but I really don't see them that much. So it's like a milk protein intolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that can impact a baby, but there's pretty significant signs. Um, there's like blood in the stool, like that kind of thing. Like really a lot of things happening, like eczema, a lot of things happening at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people will say, I, see, I still see moms though who have a baby that's gassy, which is normal infant behavior for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Immature, immature digestive systems. They're cranky, you know, they're gassy. Like this is all kind of normal. You know, it can be, it, it depends on how severe it gets, but it mostly is normal. But a parent will say, and I know I did it with, with Grant. Um, I remember I gave him like gas drops or the, whatever mm. that mommy's bliss, gripe water or whatever. Gripe water. Oh, I yeah, said, oh my yeah. God, he's gassy. Everyone used that then. I was like, oh my God, he's gassy and there must be something wrong. And I remember he wasn't upset. He wasn't that cranky, but I just thought, you know, something Gotta fix wrong. this. <laughs> what can but, I do to fix it? So I, I have a lot of moms, though, that still will do dairy elimination 
Um, but it's, it's intense because it's not just like milk and cheese and things like that. You have to eliminate anything that's in any ingredient, like whey protein has to be eliminated. It's mm-hmm. a very intense diet where you like take a lot of stuff out. Um, and moms were like, the baby's gassy, so I'm taking out all dairy. And that's what, and then my um, pediatrician agreed with me. I should just try that. And I'm like, try it. I'm like, but there's nothing wrong with the baby. <laughs> and I, I tell parents, I'm like, you I feel like I'm like, do you want to make things more difficult? Like, it's going to be hard for you. So let's just, you know, back yeah. it up here. Look <laughs> at what's happening with the baby. And I don't know, Kaylee, if you remember, there was, I still think about this. <laughs> On um, one of the message boards, there was a woman that took out like salt and pepper. And, oh, like, yes. Garlic. Do you remember? Salt and pepper. She has like 17 things, like random things that she oh said that her baby was allergic to. And we, <laughs> how did she figure that it. out? Oh, we, I have no idea. But we, I remember Kaylee and I were like, what? Like, what is going on here? Like, But I still see moms that take out kind of like random things. They're like, oh, this affects my baby. And it's very, it's rare. And you can always go to like an allergist if you think something's up. Well, so going back to like getting ready during your pregnancy, for breastfeeding, what supplies should a mom have on hand, like before a baby's born? So I always say, um, you don't really need much. Um, even I say even the boppy and everything you don't technically need, um, because I'm a huge proponent of laid back breastfeeding, um, which is sort of laying back and have the baby prone on you, like on your chest. Mm-hmm. And they feed sort of like if you're like in a hospital bed and you're lying back and the baby's on top of you, breastfeeding, um, which is the natural, it's called biological positioning. That's how babies are supposed to feed. Oh. So the whole boppy, pillows, all that stuff, you don't even need any of that because the baby's just going to be directly on your chest. Um, and everyone still has a boppy. I had a boppy for both of mine. Um and so I'm like, you don't really even need the boppy because I can get you set up in a much better position. Um, the one thing that I do like um, is the haka. I don't know if you know the haka. No. So the haka is a silicone, um, it's, a, it's a breast suction pump. <laughs> it's sort of like a, it looks like a nipple shield attached to a bottle. Okay. Um, and it suctions onto your nipple. And it's sort of, so when you're breastfeeding those early days when you're feeding and then like you're leaking all over the place mm-hmm. on the other side, obviously you have like letdown and you're like, oh, I'm leaking. It catches your letdown. Oh. So you, you kind of, if you're feeding the baby on the right side, you pop it on the left side. Um, it's kind of like a, I call it a passive pump. It doesn't really, it suctions on. So it has a little bit of pressure, not enough to like overstimulate you, but it catches your letdown. And some people get like two to three ounces out of that. And I'm like, hey, like you just have like, some milk. Milk. <laughs> and it's milk that was dripping all over your shirt and your sofa. So, <laughs> so I forgot about haka, that. I'm, yeah. So the haka I'm a big fan of because I feel like it gets just that little bit extra. And I feel like even um, psychologically, moms are happy to be like, hey, I have like, you know, a few ounces in the refrigerator, like just, you know, worst case scenario if they're like, I need to do something those early days. So that, I feel like moms feel good having a tiny little bit you know, have some milk or they're seeing the milk makes them feel better. <laughs> yeah. um, and it can help with like engorgement too um, without, because if people reach for the pump, like an actual pump, it can really set off into like oversupply and then 
it's a whole big disaster. So the haka is so lightly stimulating that it's not like it's not like a pump pump, just enough to like suction out a little bit of extra milk. So speaking of oversupply, because that is such, I mean, isn't it the case that the more you nurse, theoretically, the more you will produce, correct? Right. So if you're suffering with oversupply, that is generally what most, you're feeling engorged, you're worrying about clogged ducts and mastitis, and you grab the pump. And isn't it kind of like you're creating this like vicious cycle? What, What do you do? If you're dealing with yes. like oversupply, so um, if you, I often see oversupply happen. No, well, not often, but sometimes if you oversupply happen in those early days when the milk, your mature milk comes in, um, and then you're super engorged, and parents start, mom start pumping, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so engorged," and even though that engorgement period in that first three to four days is usually only like 24 to 48 hours. Like that will just dissipate, Mm -hmm. but moms start getting super engorged and they'll start pumping. And then the body thinks that you have twins Mm -hmm. because you're feeding and then you're pumping. And that goes into like this whole, that's when the vicious cycle happens. And then you start being engorged for two weeks and you're like, why am I continually engorged? Um, So what I tell parents is to avoid a pump entirely like do not pump at all and hand express. I'm a huge advocate of hand expression. Um, every parent should know how to do this, which I wish I could even prenatally teaching parents how like about hand expression is crucial because mm-hmm. there's a study that shows that if you hand express in the first, um, I think it's like the first few days postpartum, it can actually increase your milk supply like exponentially six oh, weeks wow. down the line. So the hand expressing along with breastfeeding is really big. Um, and a lot of parents don't know how to do it. They're like, I can't do it at all. So I try to teach parents like, this is how you hand express because it's not fully, um, if you do it to not fully empty, if you just do it until you're not engorged anymore, your body's not getting that signal of make more milk. It's just saying, okay, I lost a little bit of milk coming out, but I'm not going to make a full supply back. And that makes sense. Yeah. So the hand express that you just do is just until you're comfortable. So just until you're, you know, not so you're fully empty, but if you just hand express until you're like, oh, I feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not rock hard anymore. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's really, and because you, you, when you can actually feel when your hands are on your breast, you can feel exactly where those hard spots are. You can kind of like really work on it and you won't go as far as a pump because when you have the pump on, the pump's like, you know, some people turn off all the way and then they're just like, you know, pulling everything out. And you're not really in tune as much with like what's going on than when your hands are actually there and you can feel and you're like, okay, like I'm good now. I feel better. I got that hard lump out, you know, and then I'll stop. But the pump, I feel like people tend to over pump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your body's like, now I'm going to come back with twice the milk. Mm-hmm. So, I've definitely been guilty of that. <laughs> right. so it's tough. But I do. I did start hand expressing, especially this time, and have oh, not good. gotten. I think I got maybe like one clogged duct, so it's been way easier this time okay. around. Um, okay. What about a fast letdown where your baby's like choking and your milk is going everywhere? So for that, which I see often too, um, especially in those like really like earlier days when your milk is adjusting and the baby's adjusting and everything's like, I remember with Shane. He once popped off and my milk was <laughs> everywhere in his face. No. And Grant, 
And my older son, Grant, was like, make it stop. What are you doing? And I was like, turn it off. Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, everybody. And so so what I say for that is also the laid back positioning. um, Because when you are laid back and the baby is prone on you, gravity is helping. So when you're sort of like have them in the usual, I call it the usual positions, cradle, cross cradle, and they're on their side, you know, it's easier for them to choke a little bit and not be able to control it as much when they're prone on you and you're leaning back and they're on their belly on you, the gravity's helping because mm-hmm. your milk can't spray, you know, it's going to spray, but they have a little more control. Um, and then another position I like is called the koala position where you kind of straddle them on your leg and then their head comes up and they're like right on your breast, but they're sitting upright. So that's like, if it's like severe, like a super, super fast letdown where the baby's choking all the time, you have the baby almost sitting upright on okay. you. Okay. So it's like a little koala. That's what it looks like. I'll have to try that. <laughs> so as soon as the baby's sitting upright, then they're like, really, it's they can't, you know, take that milk down as fast. Mm-hmm. And it usually helps with the choking and all that stuff that happens. Cool. Um, those are my two things that I offer. <laughs> Fun tips. So, once you're past the first couple of weeks and say a mom has to go back to work and I know that that adds a whole other layer of fun into the breastfeeding and now pumping experience. How, right. yeah. How can a mom, what, what steps can she take to ensure that she can get to her goal of six months or ideally, well, right. first of all, what would you say an ideal time to breastfeed is? like a length of time? Well, I mean, I say as long as possible, but mm-hmm. I do recommend, I mean, the AAP says six months exclusive and mm-hmm. a year, you know, with complimentary foods added into that. So, um, and I always ask the mom what their goal is. And I say like most moms usually say like six months. And I always usually say to them, if you get to six months, I'm like, you're going to a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it gets so much... By six months, you're like, I said, I think, I think if you even get to like three or four months, I'm like, you get, it gets so much easier that you're going to be like, oh, you know, this is like not doing it that much. They're super fast. You know, they're on and off of you. Um, so I do find that even mom say six months, I'm like, yeah, we'll still be talking at a year. And I normally am. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a year. Um, so, but I mean, most parents say like the six month mark, that's where they, they talk to me about, which is awesome and i mean even if i see parents that do two weeks i'm like any breast milk is better than no breast milk Mm -hmm. just even for long-term effects i'm like even if you do that initial latch on and that's it i'm like you're coating the baby's belly with colostrum amazing (laughs) yeah that's what we want um but as far as going back to work so i mean that just but the back to work thing is an issue if parents don't have depending on what kind of job they have though Mm -hmm. so some even if they get to six months like I literally can't do anymore or like three months because they have hospital jobs like one mom I had worked in an OR and she's like what am I supposed to do like I can't yeah um so there are options though there are um wireless I call them uh, breast pumps that you can use they're pretty expensive though um but you can actually just like stick those suckers right on and they will like pump for you at any time <laughs> you oh, can wow. anywhere. Um, one's called the um, willow, the willow pump, um, which again, it just has no, it's, I think it's battery operated or something and it just sticks in there 
some pumps for you. Wow. It looks like a crazy, like robot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as far as preparing, I try to bring moms down a bit because what I mentioned to parents for preparing for back to work is social media is a demon with this because everywhere you look, people are like, look at my stash of 5,000 ounces that Mm -hmm. I have pumped. And parents are like, I need to have this massive stash. And they, I, two weeks, I'll see a parent with a two week old and they're like, how do I start making a stash? And I'm like, don't need one. I'm like, we're not even going to talk about that. I won't even talk to them about it. I'm like, you call me a month before you go back to work and then we'll talk about (laughs) about pumping. I'm like, you don't need to think about it. Um, So normally what I do is I meet a parent a month or so before they go back to work. And I just set up a, I talk about pumping, look at their pump and I have them pump once a day, maybe if they want once, maybe every other day to start. Cause usually by three months, like even if it's like two or three months, they're getting like a good amount because they're established supply is good. Um, so I have them start pumping and we just build up a little bit of a stash. And I tell them you only need a little bit because once they're back to work and a lot of parents don't think this, um, once you're back at work, you're pumping for the next day's feed. So if mm-hmm. you're a, if you have a good, if you're able to pump, so this is like best case scenario. If you're able to pump like two times at work, you're pumping enough for the next day's feed. So you don't have to have 5,000 ounces, you know, back yeah. in your back freezer for, you know, because you don't really need it because you're going to be pumping through feeds and you're going to be doing like eight ounces each time. You pump. Mm-hmm. You probably by the time you're like that super established and if you have a great supply, you know, so that's going to go for the baby for the next day if you're working that day. Um, and I also say, it gets, I mean, it's hard to tell some babies don't want to take that much when mom's not there. Um, depends on how finicky they are. So if they don't want to take that much, um, then they'll just wait for mom to come home. Then it's called reverse cycling and they start nursing all night long <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to make up for the time. So I'm like, it kind of depends on your baby. I'm like, you know, that you might not even need that much. They might just take like, you know, half of what they really need, then they'll make up for it when you get home. Right. They just um, might be connected to your boob for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, correct. I used to, when I, I worked part-time when I did marketing and I would um, come home and she'd pick up my, to Grant at my parents' house and I wouldn't even be able to get my jacket off. Like he would be like, like attached to me. Like he'd be like, let me nurse right now. It's a tricky, it's, it, and that's kind of, I do, I do actual back to work consultation because that's like another super individualized personalized kind of thing Mm -hmm. of like what kind of job do you have are you able to pump how often can you pump do you have any tips for giving bottles to babies that aren't interested this is this is a personal question yeah (laughs) all three of mine um nobody liked a bottle (laughs) so my advice on that is to always start um at the three or four week mark that's like your magic window. Mm-hmm. Um, so like by a month, offering a bottle, like even just like once a week and see mm-hmm. what's up, if they like it, what's going on. Usually like by then, at that point, they're like, ah, I'll take it. You know, they'll be okay. Um, having someone else offer it is always ideal too, because usually they're like, why would I be taking this from you, mom? Because right. <laughs> <laughs> very true. So I would say having someone else um, and even if a baby's like super finicky about it and they're like, I don't want to do it, even mom leaving the house entirely when somebody else offers the bottle, 
mm-hmm. is good because the baby smells you, which they have very keen sense of smell. Yeah. So I'm going to be like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Actually go for a walk around the block. Let somebody else. Um, if it becomes like intense, I just actually had a bottle refusal the other day. Um, the baby was three months. Um, so if it becomes really intense and they absolutely don't want to take one, um, I always say there's like a whole series of things you can do. And it usually, it takes a couple weeks. Usually it's a slow process. Um, but you let them play with the bottle nipple. You make it like a, a toy. So the actual nipple, just give them that. Like when oh. they're like grabbing things and chewing things. Then you put, you dip it in some breast milk and let them see if they put, if it's their, sometimes you have to make it their idea. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like so that goes a lot, of, like how kids are forever yeah. too. <laughs> exactly. So you let them explore it and you like do tummy time with them and let them play with it. And you like make it, you know, fun and sing crazy song. I was always making up crazy songs, make a crazy song up about it, <laughs> laugh about it. You sort of like make it this, you know, non-stressful thing about, you know, oh, giving that's... them. Because something if they feel you tense, as we all know, mm-hmm, if a baby yeah. feels you getting tense, they're like, something's wrong. Right. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I never And I know that trying to offer them. Right. And trying to offer, I mean, even trying to offer a bottle to a baby who's like, oh, and then sometimes you get like, just tense up a little bit and it's like, oh my God, it's not working. Right. Um, Definitely. But even when I'm trying to help latch babies, like I will start like sweating sometimes. Like I'll be like, (laughs) oh my, I get tense. I'm like, baby, please don't feel me because I'm like, why is this baby latching? (laughs) And I like break out in sweat and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) It's not helping. (laughs) Crying babies can make anyone a little like, ah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I feel like I'm getting my my own free advice, but I'm going through this with my four-month-old. But how do we handle baby biting? Oh, Oh, that's so painful. Yeah. um, Do they have teeth? No. It's still painful. (laughs) Just chopping down. So with that, with four months, I would say you just need to bring them closer to, you need to be deeper. Um, They need to be wider latch with you because the only time they, if they're really wide on you, like a really wide open latch, they can't chomp down. It's when they slip back, which is the four month old is super typical developmentally when they start looking around and they're like, I just Mm want to like, they're like pulling your nipple across the room because they're turning their head. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And they're nosy and they're looking at everything. So sometimes at that four month mark, I would say even like doing like the dark room nursing yeah. sometimes, like uh-huh. if they're super distractible, because once they pull back, they're able to like their gums are just going to like clamp down on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so is... I know what they're doing. It's that like <laughs> chomping and it's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> serious. That's exactly what he does. And um, I like that advice about the dark room because at night and when he's sleepy, it's not an issue at all. But oh, I think it is right. kind of at when the, at the stage they're in where they're like, oh, I can just like see what's going on and I can do this to mom. Oh, and it's God, funny. So nosy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, so, I like, think even like less distractions. And it's, it's the kind of a phase I feel like they'll go yeah. through and like less distractions or if you can't be in a less distracting environment, like watch him, like watch closely. Yes. And like you see when he like really is nursing mm-hmm. and then, um, and then as soon as like stops and he's just like messing around, like unlatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think so that it's be careful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Keep an eye on him at all times, but I think it's good yeah. to bring it up because 
I feel like a lot of moms would be like, okay, it's, it's time to stop nursing. Like this is too hard. And it does suck, oh, yeah. but it like knowing that you will get through it and it gets easier, you know, <laughs> you just kind of sort of suffer a little yeah, bit. It but, usually it's just a short yeah. period of time where they do that. And I remember that with mm-hmm. my kids when they were in that super nosy, like what's mm-hmm. going yeah. on, watching TV, <laughs> the other kids are fine, you know, and then they get, and then they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, whatever. And the, he right. gets, you know, they get quicker and then you introduce solids and they're on and off and, right. you know. Right. But, yeah. And I think that's like what I, oh, I always say too, that everything to my parents and what I would tell myself was that everything is a phase. Mm-hmm. Like everything is a phase. Like even yeah. Kayla, Kayla used to talk about stuff with our kids and I'd be like, is something wrong? I mean, we talked, I think I said, I thought that um, Grant was a rageaholic. <laughs> we talked about how like our toddlers were like throwing things and screaming and we were like is something wrong with them this is not normal (laughs) but I was like but I so everything I'd be like is something wrong you know is something going and then by my second I was like you know it's all a phase like they all just go through like kooky stuff and like oh yeah it's like you know it's so easy now looking back though and realizing that. And I hope I can see that now with having a third all these years later, I can say like, okay, you know, we're not going to be in right. this forever folks, you know, but. Exactly. And that's what I try to tell parents from day one. Like I'm like everything, even the newborn, like this two week hell phase that you're going through, you know, like it's going to yeah. get better. Like every, mm-hmm. every week gets better. And I remember even with my first, thinking which was like I mean it was my first it was my hardest ever but I would say you know what I'm just going to get through I would tell parents too like if you can get through another day like say I'm going to nurse for one more day and see how it goes and then usually they're like okay like I can give it another day mm-hmm. and they'll like come down a little bit from their anxiety and then like they'll keep nursing and then I say if you give it another week and that's what I used to do I used to say I'm going to go one more week because I wasn't when I was those first two weeks I was like I want to quit I don't want to yeah it's hard it's hard so I would say, you know what? I'm going to go one more week. And then each week got easier. And I tell my parents that I'm like, it really gets better each week. So if you can just like steal yourself um, and say, and I tell parents, I'm like, please just sit and watch trash TV mm-hmm. and like eat whatever you want and just sit there. Like if you, like, especially with first kids, I'm like, just sit there and watch TV. Like That's what we always say. That's yes. What... I, all I watched was Lifetime movies with my first yeah, you and I was like all about them. <laughs> you know, and I Worst know when there's movies. other children, when you have multiple children, it gets harder. Like it's yeah. a different, you know, obviously, yeah. but the first I one miss is those Lifetime movies. hardest, yeah. right? <laughs> but the first is so difficult because oh, you don't yeah. know. And I'm like, yeah, the second and third will get easier. Yeah. But you like, figure it out. But I go into parents' houses and they have like their house is immaculate and they have like dinner cooking. It was like a seven day old, and I'm like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Like first baby? I'm like, no. no. I'm like, just eat up some food, some takeout. I'm like, just nap. I'm like, and parents for some reason refuse to nap. I was like all about the naps and my baby's naps. I was like, mm-hmm. I am conking out. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Even to get twenty minutes of like a power nap, I was like, I am. I do not do well with sleep deprivation. Like I oh. need my sleep. And so I tell parents like, please just try to sleep. Like just, I said, this is like your time. I'm like mm-hmm. to watch TV and do nothing. I'm like, you will regret not taking this. <laughs> Seriously. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm living it up right now being pregnant. Like I'm like, you know what? 
I'm like, I'm, lo- I'm loving food. I'm loving the couch, like Netflix. Like I have gotten my money's worth because it it passes quickly, you know. <laughs> it does. So I say, like, this is your time to like just you know, just chill out and just and I feel like. Our culture, though, has a really hard time doing that. Like they mm-hmm. think I, people are like, I got to keep doing and I got to keep running. And and the other thing with that, too, is I find that parents don't really, I mean, I definitely miss this when I, because I get to snuggle babies all the time. And I'm like, I miss the baby snuggles because mm-hmm. that first month, like that's all they, well, it's the first three months, really, it's the fourth trimester, they call it, where babies don't know anything and they just want to be on you skin to skin snuggling that's where they're happy i always Mm -hmm. see people saying the baby doesn't sleep unless they're lying on my chest and the baby's freaking out unless they're on my chest i'm like that's where they want to be um enjoy it and i say that that human human babies are really one of the only mammals that come out that can't do anything like if you think about it Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we humans are really one of the only ones that are like nothing's happening here yeah like i I need you mom i can't i'm just laying here seriously like i and that's why that 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 term fourth trimester is because babies technically should be in the womb for another three months like if they came out you know that we want that but if they came out of the you know 12 month gestation they'd be like hey like you know strong that's very true yeah (laughs) seriously so babies are almost like human babies are born almost like a little early and like they really need that extra you know bit of stuff going on for that i don't like a a kangaroo you know like how kangaroo has a little pouch Mm -hmm. (laughs) seriously (laughs) so you know but i was just reading actually about i think um I i think it's gorillas baby gorillas come out and then the mom they hold them for like months i think like they're attached to the mom for oh. a really long time i they're love like, that and if you think about it, you always see pictures and they're always like they're not like ever sitting by themselves no. <laughs> they're not <laughs> any like you know bouncy seats like that's <laughs> a gorilla so, bouncy seat <laughs> so they're on the mom constantly and i'm like that's like you know normal like that's what we should have more of like you mm-hmm. know a lactation right. consultant won't that often be covered by insurance story. yes it does it's con- it is. And they're very expensive. Um, and federally, the federal law says that you have to have covered lactation visits. Um, and New Jersey oh. actually just passed a law that's going to be New Jersey-based law saying the same thing. So um, it, even I take uh, three insurances. So even the insurances that I don't take, I give the mom a super bill, it's called. So basically a big receipt with codes on it. And she sends it into her insurance company, and legally they are supposed to cover that. Oh, wow! They always, I didn't know that. Yeah, they'll kick it back, and they'll say, oh, "We're only going to pay you a little bit, or we're not." But I give them the um, verbiage from the um, Affordable Care Act and from National Women's Center has all sorts of resources on there, um, which are amazing. They give you phone scripts to use, saying, "This is the law." Wow, <laughs> like, you wow. need That's to cover awesome. me. A that lot of is people so don't good know to know. It. Yeah. So I, you know, and even like pumping, the National Women's Center has pumping info. Um, it's a, re- it's, it's, since it's a government website, it's a little hard to navigate, but I try to have links to that and I send parents links and I'm like, here, this is what you can use. Um, and the insurance companies, like I said, they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll play games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. They'll still play games and be like, and then usually, though, if a mom says, like, this is actual federal law, That's <laughs> they're what, like, yeah. Oops. okay. <laughs> okay <laughs> oh, now. sorry about, we forgot about that. Sorry. So, I mean, it is, 
Well, that's just it too. Like we are covered. Um, and I, I take, uh, Aetna, AmeriHealth and Independence Blue Cross. So, and my parents get full, usually full coverage with that, um, for multiple visits. And so I try to like, you know, and so I'm like, I try to put that out there and I do home visits too, strictly home visits. Nobody's coming to me. I go to the, everyone. It's like old school doctor home visits. So you <laughs> primarily, you primarily work in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, correct? Right. Okay. So, so I how, do all South, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. You do all South Jersey? All South, um, well, I do three Camden County, Burlington County, Gloucester County. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do Philadelphia, like um, Eastern Philadelphia, like Center City, South Philly, Fishtown, sometimes. There's, there's so many really amazing um, lactation consultants in the city mm-hmm. um, that I usually refer to, but I'll still, I'll go in sometimes. I won't go like far out into the city though, because it's just too far for me. <laughs> yeah. But if it's right over the bridge, I'll do that sometimes. So, so do you have a website that people can get in touch with you or get more breastfeeding information? I or? do. Okay. Um, it is um, www.vialactianj.com. And do you have social? I know I know this because I follow you, but can people find you on social I, media? <laughs> they can find um, at vialactianj for Instagram or Facebook. Okay. And I, you post tons of great articles and can get moms on the right track and just encourage them, right. even if they're not close by, you know, just keep doing yes. it, keep breastfeeding. I think just real quick to, to wrap up, I think the problem with lactation consultants is there tends to be a view, um, and maybe this used to be the case, um, that lactation consultants are very hardline, very militant, you know, mm-hmm. all or nothing, all or nothing breastfeeding, like, you know, no formula. I've heard people in the past say formula is poison, you know, that kind of um, inflammatory language. <laughs> and the that's changed. Like that was, I think, like a long time ago, things were like that. And now there's people like me coming in, um, newer lactation consultants, you know, who are much more moderate. And I totally am. I have moms have formula. Sometimes the baby needs formula. Like sometimes they absolutely need to be supplemented, you know, and things have to happen in a certain way. Or sometimes mom just wants to do that. Yeah. I think we've all learned a few things here today. Definitely. <laughs> there, so we this really was, appreciate I honestly could talk to you for another hour and just like pick your brain because you have such great information. Seriously. Honestly, oh, like we'll, we'll have to have you on again sometime to just kind of maybe do like a Q and a with some of our listeners and, yeah, you know, sure. I'm sure we will have more questions for sure. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Kara. We really appreciate it. And we hope people will visit your website and follow you on social media. Me too. <laughs> Thanks again to Kara for taking the time to really share so much wonderful information that is so helpful to us moms. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram at birth naturally. And if you're enjoying these stories, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps others find us. Thanks for listening. See you next time.